all in light of what all is going on in this, not only this country, but the whole world. It's like the whole world has lost its sights, its uh, goal, it's lost its mind. And you know what? God is exposing the sinfulness. That's the nature of man. The wickedness, the evil, all the terror that's going on and just absolute crazy zaniness. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because that's all we hear. Almost like 24-7. It's not, if it's not one thing, it's another. A lot of things are going on. Just in the last time we have met, things have just escalated. It's unbelievable. But we're here today not to talk about that. Although in this passage that we're dealing with, you can see a lot of uh, lawlessness is happening in the nation of Israel. And it was the worst wicked act that could ever happen. As they have arrested Jesus, the most innocent man ever to live on the face of this earth, the man God, and they have not only arrested him, they've tried him in three courts. And now he'll be taken to the Romans. Lies. Evil. Wicked. Stuff that should never have gone on at that time. God, you will see, is in perfect control because he had this all planned and how it would be done. Now, that's what you'll probably see a lot of, a lot of reminders in this passage today. I didn't make it up. It's just all right there. You know, it doesn't change. Man's heart is that way. Sometimes it's exposed in a tremendous way where the whole world sees it. And most don't even recognize it. We do have the answer. It's always Christ. He is front and center here in this passage today. Now, I'd imagine there are probably several here who have experienced jury duty. I think I would be right with that, wouldn't I? And you know what? You're faced with a decision to make of whether the defendant is guilty or not guilty. And it could mean terrible consequences for the rest of his life, depending on what you do with that. It's a challenge. It's stressful. Uh, when you're forced to make a verdict, you didn't really want to do that. You didn't really want to be a part of a jury, probably. Most people don't see that as a favorable thing, but it's a citizen thing to do. So, even when you're forced to do it, more or less is what it is, you have to make a verdict. You can't be in between. And you can say, but I didn't ask to be involved but it's now thrust upon you. Well, there's a man that we look at today who was faced with a decision that would uh, be very unfavorable for him. He found himself, Pilate did, on that April morning, an early morning hour is what it was, probably around AD 33, 36, somewhere in that vicinity. He probably hadn't even eaten breakfast, Somebody rudely wakens him up. And, you know, he didn't even want to be in Jerusalem because really where he uh, lived at was in Caesarea. And that's where he did his job at, was being the 
uh, a Roman governor here over Israel and uh, Judea. He had to be there in Jerusalem. Away from where he would much rather be, that would be close to right at the Mediterranean Sea. And here it is, he's around people that he hates. He hates them. He does not want to be around them, but that's part of his job. He does not appreciate their religion. And as governor of Judea, though, he cannot stay away from Jerusalem because it's Passover time. Do you know what happens when people get together? <laughs> if they're not worshiping God, there's probably something up to no good that they are going to do. Whether, they, whether it's innocent or not, sometimes it develops into something that is rather evil and wicked. Well, this is a religious thing they're going to, and surely there wouldn't be anything going on at that time, would there? Well, in Jerusalem, they say there's as much as a million people that are there in that little city at that time. You have to have law and order, don't you? Well, that's why he's there. And believe me, if he lifts his finger up, they might call brutality. And that's what the Jews did. They've been known to do that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But he has to get up out of bed, probably. I'm just saying it's early morning. Maybe he's up. But the thing is, they have a prisoner for him. They can't go into his place. He has to go out and meet him. Because they have Passover, a real religious thing to do that day while they're doing such an illegal thing. We pointed out last week that you really can't you really can't arrest anybody and put them on you can't put them on trial during the feast of Passover. That's illegal. That's exactly what they did. And these are the ruling elders. This is the council, the Supreme Court, the seventy plus one, the high priest. So, here it is. He has Christ there. And he's told that he needs to make a verdict on Jesus. And they already have the answer for him. All he has to do is say, put him to death. Pilate had this thrust upon him. Anybody who makes contact with Christ, whether they know it or not, they make a verdict on Christ. Whether they really want to follow His ways or ignore Him, the most important day of that person's life might be at that time. Whenever Christ is there. And so, that's an important time, isn't it? What they do with that. Eternal destiny is at question here. It'll go in one direction. If one ignores Christ, they've made a verdict on Him whether they would think it or not. You cannot be neutral. It's impossible. And it says that in Matthew 27-22, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? That's what Pilate said. What shall I do now with Jesus? What is called Christ? See, that crucial question is the most important question in the life for each and every person that lives. What will we do with Jesus Christ? Now, we're going to be looking at the fourth trial 
of Jesus. The first three were done with the Jewish people and it was started with the high priest, Annas, who is really not a high priest anymore, but he's behind the scenes. He's running the whole deal. You have Caiaphas, and then you have the Supreme Court. Those are the three trials, and they came up with the fact that he's guilty. Surprise! He's guilty. No doubt if they already had that in mind before it even started. They just couldn't get the witnesses to agree on this. Everything's illegal. We, we pointed out last week, there wasn't anything that was illegal about what they were doing here. So this is the fourth trial, and they now have come up with what's supposed to be done and really claimed that he was the Son of God, basically, as they asked him that. And they said, oh, there we go. Good enough, right? That's evidence enough. Let's go. They take him now to Pilate. And it's Pilate who is the one with the power, and it's only the Roman government that can bring death to, uh, or crucifixion to the, uh, any Jewish person. The Jews could not do that. That was illegal. I've already done everything else illegal. What shall I do with Jesus? Now, you see, he's under an illusion that he actually has something to say about this whole matter and what happens to Jesus. What shall I do with Jesus? You know what? There's nothing that he can do with Jesus. Nobody has the power or the authority. Not the Sanhedrin. Not any of those religious leaders. They don't have any authority. Because in John 19.10, Jesus said, Do you not know that I have power, authority to crucify you? Now this is, this is Pilate saying that. Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. You see, in every aspect, Jesus has had control. From the very time that He got arrested, He was very, very much under control, was He not? They were out of control. Completely. And so, what happened? He, he said, you know, really, He's Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. You know, and the people, what happens? All of them fall back, fall down to the ground. He's in total control. He's standing, disciples, you know, they're all looking at him, and you know, it's he's proven that. And then Peter with the taking off of the ear of Malchus, and he heals the ear back like that. He's under total control. He's under control when he's taken into investigation, the courts. Annas, Caiaphas, they're beating him up and they're doing blasphemies and curses at him and saying all sorts of things and beating him up. And he's still under complete control in every aspect. And he is all the way. It's going down the way that God had in mind. Jesus knows that he's the one that has the authority. So, there's an indifference toward him by most people here, like the Romans, but anything short of believing in Christ as the Son of God is really somebody making a judgment on Christ. And because they do that, they think they will avoid Christ making a judgment on them. So when you see somebody that says, I don't believe in God, or, I don't believe in Jesus, then when they make a judgment, it's like, wow, it all disappears and He can't make judgment on them. Well, it's not the case. 
If you judge Jesus wrongly, and you will in your depraved mind and your soul, you will judge Jesus wrongly and He will judge you rightly. He's the right one. He is the just God. So, let's take up our Bibles and let's finally get to the Scripture, which is the best part, isn't it? 22, as we stand... I mean, 23. We are in a new chapter this week. Well, we're getting close. You know what? There's only one more chapter. 23. Verse 1. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ a king. So Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, It is as you say. Then Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, He stirs up the people teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. When Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. Let's pray. Father, give us insight. What we don't know, give us what we need to know this morning. Help us learn better the power, the authority of Christ. Help us to learn better why the world is raging. Ultimately, it's because they don't like true righteousness that comes from God. Lord, all your people love righteousness. And we see unrighteousness done here this morning, but as we really see it, we see a sovereign plan being unfolded. Lord, as your Holy Spirit teaches us, may we be able to see you clearer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we have the charges start up here in the first couple of verses. And then we'll see the questioning and then we'll see the verdict. With Jesus in hand, pronounced guilty by the Jews, they have one more hurdle, and that's to get him to the Roman governor, Pilate, so that he would condemn him to the cross. That's what the Jews have in mind all the way. Here it is, it's come to that time. Death penalty, as I said, cannot be executed by the Jews. It's only by the Romans. They did sentence him, but they need it from Pilate. It's basically, they're saying like this. Hey, look, we've already judged him. Everything has been done. All you have to do is just pronounce him guilty and give him the sentence of crucifixion. That's all you have to do. And then you can go back to bed. Read prayers. <laughs> the charges are uh, actually thought out. They're actually formulated here in a way that causes Pilate, as a procurator here, and a protector 
of Roman regional concerns, all of Judea and such. He ought to be worried about his future. He needs to be politically correct here. If he doesn't stop Jesus, the mob, which is the Supreme Court, the rulers, are you guys seeing a lot of this? I don't really have to really say a lot about it, do it, and I and I won't. I think you're catching it. If he doesn't stop Jesus, then it's going to get back, ultimately, to Caesar. The Jews are going to make sure, in their evil and in their wickedness, that this is carried about. Even though they're underneath rule and law and order, they are out of order in every way. They've already been out of order in their trials and their arrests and everything that they've done. But These charges here deserve to be looked at by Pilate. You see, these are capital crimes that are all mentioned here. They all would be deserving of death if it be true about Jesus. One thing about Pilate, he's a pretty sharp man. He knows what's going on. He's not stupid. He's been around for a while. He's heard about Jesus in some sense, and he really doesn't care about that. Go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 18. By the way, to nobody's surprise, all the Gospels have this story. Luke is about the quickest in the way that he addresses it. So as we look at Matthew and Mark and John will see some other insights there in uh, Matthew 27, verse 18. It says, For he knew that because of envy, they, the Sanhedrin, had handed him, Jesus, over. He knows it's jealousy, it's envy. You see, he's taken their place. They need to step aside. But they love their job. Deceiving themselves and people. So Pilate's reputation with the Jews, it's not good. Everything that he does is going to be made fun of. Everything that he does, they are going to say wrong. You hear that today, whatever the president does, people that are conservative, it's all wrong and everything that they're doing is right. And they're making havoc of cities and trying to take over and be other nations and trying to organize. They don't even have the intelligence to be able to even do that kind of thing. And here it is. These are the Supreme Court rulers, the intelligent of the land. And they're showing their absolute stupidity. They're going to clash with Pilate. They've already done this. You see, Pilate governed Judea from about 26 to 36 A.D. We know this historically. History means a lot, folks. You can't destroy history or the foundations go. That's what our nation's trying to do now. Our nation or the thugs are trying to take every bit of history and say it didn't happen. They don't want anything visible to be there. Thus, the statues go down. Well, you see, Pilate is a politician. 
but in the worst sense of the word, his aim in life was really to promote himself. If you're not a Christian, that's really what your life is about. But Pilate wanted to go places. He had a high position here. Normally, Pilate would be in Caesarea. He's in Jerusalem. It's the Passover. And he wants to make sure that nothing goes awry during this Passover can because there could be riots with all that many Jews coming into the city. He's there to keep peace. He worked directly under the legate of the one who was over all of Syria. He reported to him. And through him it went back to Caesar. That's how close the pilot is to one of the most highest jobs in the land. Pilate has a very contentious relationship with the Sanhedrin. They don't like him. All the elders, the Jewish people in general, do not like him. Now we have Jewish sources that tell us some things that weren't going on in Scripture. They're outside the New Testament, but they're history. And in some of those reportings, the Jews considered him to be greedy. They considered him to be contentious. They considered him to be condescending to them. He did things to provoke the Jews. One time they had money that was supposed to go into the temple service. He took the money and built an aqueduct for it. With that money, that's what he did. Uh, they were fuming. The money that they had for the temple, and guess what? He took it right out of the temple treasury and applied it to somewhere else. It's not too new, is it? Uh, to hear. Anyway, there was another time when he had soldiers come to Jerusalem. And they had military standards and ensigns that represented other gods. That was idolatrous. The Jews hated it. It was despicable. They resisted. And they uh, were threatened to be killed by Pilate because of the resistance. They lay down. And they bared their necks for the sword. When they resisted, he threatens to kill them. As they lay down there, he's, you know, what does he do now? Well, you can't kill them all because this is going to get back to Caesar. It does get back. He gets in all sorts of trouble. He has a big job here. He's very unpopular in that area. He did not like to do what the Jewish leaders asked him to do. That's really apparent in this passage here. We know the outcome of it. Uh, turn back to Luke 13, 1 and 2. Another one. Now this is a biblical source here. We have some historical sources, historians, who told truth in their history. It wasn't erased. Luke 13, 1 and 2. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? What's going on there? He mingled the Galileans' blood along with the sacrifices. What's that mean? 
It means the soldiers had to come, they pursued and they chased down these Jews, which were probably zealots. There they are in the temple. What does Pilate have the soldiers do? Kill them? He kills them. He mingles the blood. With the sacrifice, what do you mean? Well, they're having sacrifices at that very moment. While these soldiers are being killed, blood is running. Blood is running in the temple. Sacrifices them. And so there is the Galileans' blood. Jesus reported about that. Pilate can't afford one more incident. He's had enough uprisings. Don't let this get back to Rome. He goes, oh. He hated the Jews. But he has to placate to save his own neck. Even if it meant the death of an innocent man. In a passage today, you wouldn't think that would be true. He's trying everything. Like I say, it's going to be politically incorrect or else he loses his job. So therefore, you have the idiocy of mayors giving in to the most wicked, evil kind of people that you could ever imagine who would like to take over the city and they don't want to get them offended and get them mad and they're already mad. Yeah, they're mad and they just let them do what they want to do. You have to show law and order when it is time to do that because it is protect the people. You have to protect the policemen and enforce it, right? Well, Luke has a threefold account or structure in his account here of a Roman trial procedure. You first have the charges that are brought. That's what you see in verse 2. And they began to accuse him. Here's their accusation saying, We found this man misleading our nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, Rome, and that he himself is Christ the King. The King. All right. You see the charge is very clearly there, right? Examination after the charges, then the verdict. You see, he's stirring up rebellion. He the nation is at unrest. That's what they claim. We know it's the exact opposite. Jesus healed and taught. People followed him, but they said, He's subverting our nation. If you have that, we got riots going on. It's going to happen right now. It's going to happen very soon. He's subverting our nation. What's going to happen? Well, that sure would affect Pilate, wouldn't it? Remember, he knows what they're doing, though. Number two, taxation. They said he opposed taxation by Rome. We know better than that. And he claims to be a king. I'll tell you what. These are serious crimes that they have just brought. And there he listens to this. They all can bring the death penalty, as I said. 
Pilate seems to know the Jews better than they really think. And so all through this, this is why he says that Jesus is innocent. It's a power struggle that was going on. That's what the Jews are at least putting forth. He sees Jesus. He's already been beaten. He's bloody. The temple guards had done that, which was absolutely illegal. He didn't look like an awesome king. Nothing of grandeur there. He's not dangerous. Pilate is not afraid of him. So, we know the Jewish people had treated him with contempt. Misleading the nation, they're saying. And that's totally opposite. They don't even name him Jesus here in the verse 1. At least it's not reported. It says, we brought him. We didn't bring Jesus. We, we brought him. I might press that a little too much, but we know that contempt is there. Another thing, that it was a threat to the nation's tradition. He misleads the people. Now, that kind of unrest should be concerning to Pilate because that could stir up all sorts of havoc. Anyone who stirs up religious sensibilities could be a source of political upheaval. And another one is that he opposed paying taxes to Caesar. That's what they said. Well, how about in Luke 20? Verse 25, not too long back. Here's what Jesus says about that. Everybody's familiar with it. And he said, give me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. Well said. He says, whatever you owe to Caesar, to the government, pay it. And he says, whatever you owe to God, give to him. He never said, revolt against him and don't pay your taxes. We know better than that. But you know what? It's a false accusation. It's patently false. But there's a second thing. They were clever in this. You know, it the collection of taxes from Rome. They go to who? To Caesar. And if it goes to Caesar, if he's being cheated, who's that going to come back to? Who's responsible for collecting the taxes? Pilate. So they really have this thought out. I mean, you have to admire the sense that really their problem is, is that he has claimed to be God. They said it's blasphemy. But they don't really bring that up here, really. They do say he claimed to be a king, and that's our next one. Is Pilate being careless if he is going around claiming to be king? There's only one king in the Roman Empire. It's Caesar. He's the king. Now this would be a threat to somebody like Caesar and also Pilate here. This is on his watch. He would be careless if those kind of things were going on. If he allowed revolution to happen, it would be his job and maybe even his head if there is revolution there in Judea. Jesus is painted 
as a dangerous revolutionary. It's Pilate's obligation to Caesar to stop him. So that's the way the Jews present him. Here, especially on this third one. You know what he does? The first two, he just dismisses completely out. It's the third one that he starts with on the question. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? So that's his examination now. So here's this threat that's going up. Pilate now moves to examine the Jesus, or, uh, Jesus, which is considered to be claiming to be the king. The first charge is not relevant to Pilate. What's the first charge? Misleading the nation. If Jesus was a revolutionary, do you think Pilate would have heard about this three years? Don't you know that he would have stopped that instantly? He had to have had people, you know, maybe would would have been telling him, hey, there's somebody subverting this whole nation and even a threat to our empire because of that. It was no threat. And you know what? Pilate knows that. Not a big deal. You know, he... uh, It's not really central to Pilate. Pilate's not a Jew anyway. So we go to the second one about the taxes and the Roman IRS doesn't have any evidence that Jesus has been doing that. Uh, His teaching was a matter of public record. All heard him. It was always in the light of day uh, around where everybody could see it like I've always said. He didn't do it in some secret corner, some secret chamber. Everything he spoke, people could hear. About, but it's the third one that he asked the question about. If any of these charges had any substance at all, it has to be the third question in this examination. And really, or, or, or the charge, it's it's an issue. He just passes over the first two. It's not that no big deal. What he does do is ask the question to him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king? And he certainly would have known if there's somebody going around trying to be king in Israel there. He's well informed about the Jews. What we need to do now is turn to a parallel passage that gives us much more information that we need in John 18, 33-38. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Now in, in Luke, what do we get? It is as you say. But here's some other information that we need to know too as it goes. He's saying, where did you get that from? Why are you even saying that? Did somebody tell you about that? Pilate answered, that I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom 
is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Are you getting it? Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I'm a king. It is as you say, right? Luke says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Of course, the famous statement Pilate said to him, What is truth? That's what the world is saying today, right? But you know what? What Jesus said there was about his kingdom. And it's not in the way that would cause any dilemma with Pilate. Because he knows that really what this is about is the Jews just wanting dead. You have a half-truth, I guess you could say, in a way. He hardly looked like the part of a king. And it's almost like Pilate is saying, so this is what the king of the Jews looks like. That's what it is, huh? Pilate didn't see Jesus as a political threat to Romans' rule. Matter of fact, Jesus looked rather pathetic to him. Luke 23.3 says, It is as you say. You have said so. Jesus actually has a dilemma here. It's either he needs to say no or yes. If he says no, he would be lying. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. He is the truth. He cannot lie. But he has to tell the truth. And it's exactly what the Jews want Pilate to understand. That yes, he's not denying that. He's in a dilemma here. If he says yes, then he's incriminating himself, isn't he? By the way, again, he doesn't have a lawyer to defend him hasn't through all of this, but um, he's very careful all the way through his ministry with his messianic language. He is the Messiah. The problem is that whenever he goes around saying, hey, I am the Messiah, I'm the King, if he says that in that manner, the people already have a problem because they're saying he's the Messiah, he's the King. In one sense, that would be great. But the problem is, is they think it's going to overtake the Romans and they get to now rule their own land again. Jesus did not want any mistake about that. A lot of times, you know, like <clears throat> Peter understood who he was and sometimes Jesus would say, don't tell anybody. Disciples, don't tell them. Because if he's going around saying it's a king, they want to use arms and go up and take it from the Romans in a physical manner. Jesus is the king, but not like what people have thought. The disciples have seen that all along too. They thought he was going to be the king in that physical way. 
So here we have it, don't we? Uh, Jesus doesn't want to make people think that His goal was that. There's an important reason, much more important reason for coming into this world. Messiah was about more than all of that, wasn't He? So the charge, He claims to be the Messiah, the King. Political overtones, what politics they're giving there. He's claiming to be the King that opposes Caesar, the King. Do you see what's happening there? That's really what they're pitting up. Really what their problem is, is that he is trying to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the Son of God. So it's a religious thing. But they turn it over and make it a political thing. All the charges here are political. That's what it runs into so often, doesn't it? A political thing when it's not about politics at all. Pilate is not at all distressed by Jesus' admission of this claim, his identity that he brings forth. He claimed it, and here he says this. Probably Jesus looked upon him and he's saying how pathetic. He's no political threat to Rome. And I'm not just going to do it just at their whim. Jesus is not a political rebel against Roman rule, which is the way they're trying to put it. He's not there to kick the Romans out of rulership. He's there to forgive the world of sin. That's why He came. That's what He did. The death penalty is what the Supreme Court wanted. And then, eventually, in a few hours, everybody else, basically representing the people of the nation, want Him to be crucified. So what have we seen so far? We've seen the charges. We just looked at the examination. What do you have next? The verdict. We read verses 4 and 5. Then Pilate said to the chief priest and crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, He stirs up the people teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. Here we go. There's no basis for this charge whatsoever. Pilate knows it. He says it. He stood up for what truth is. This time, you know what? Three times he told the Jews, I find no guilt in this man. Go back to verse 14 and 15. Or, or, or forward, I guess you could say. This is the second time that Jesus appears before Pilate. It's Pilate, then Herod, then back to Pilate. So there he is. 14 says, it said, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. He said it once. He comes back from Herod. Pilate says it again. 
And then we move forward to verse 22. And he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him just to make you guys feel good about it. Well, he shouldn't have even done that. He needs to be law and order here. He has called it. He needs to stay steady with what he said and do not give in to criminals. I find no guilt in this man. He announced his verdict. It was not well received. I find no basis for a charge against this man. That's verse 4 here. Uh, really, uh, he had listened to the charges. He took that evidence, and there was no evidence. There's not sufficient evidence here at all. He is not a criminal. This is, they said it was worthy of a death penalty. He can't find anything. You know what? The arrest should have ended right there. Pilate, if he's really that kind of a great ruler, has to say, we're going to have to give you protection. As little as I really want to do it, we know that they're going to try to get you. So they needed to protect him and get him out of there to some safe place. You see, he should have dismissed the Jews and said, that is it. It's over. I pronounced not guilty. How many times does a judge have to say not guilty? Once. Or the jury says not guilty. He's the judge and the jury here. Luke is proving that Jesus was an innocent sacrifice. That's why, the way that Luke is fully putting this forth. Jesus has to be a sacrifice, doesn't he? And even when somebody's pulling for him so hard here, it's still going to be done. No matter what, God is sovereign. Sinful man. has no justice. The Jews kept insisting that Jesus stirred up the people. We see it in the other Gospels. and You, know, you look at it in Luke here, you get the idea. They can't believe that He has said that. and So they keep after Him about this. Continual pleading. They know full well that He's innocent. Most of Jesus' ministry had been in Galilee. In our Luke 23 here, verse 5, they kept on insisting. You keep going at a person, you can wear them down. <laughs> Sound familiar in our day? They just keep at it. They just keep at it. Keep at it. He stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, and here's where they kind of goof up. Starting from Galilee. This is great. Here it is going. 
Wait, what? What, <laughs> what, what did you... He's already pronounced it, and they keep at him. He says, uh, Herod, he's from Galilee. That's the jurisdiction. Isn't this great? He's been doing this all over Galilee. He started there, and then he came down here and ended in this place here, or, or up here, if you want to go up up the, the ascent to Jerusalem. And he's, he's here now. But he focused on Galilee. <laughs> Gotta like it. You know, they'd gone too far. Wow. Jesus had not created any kind of measure of unrest. But that's what they're saying. He stirs them up and he's a Galilean. So, what do all politicians wind up doing? <laughs> Passing the buck. Because we had a president from this state that I think he was famous for saying, the buck stops here. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> so, under such pressure, Pilate does what politicians do. He passes the buck, lets someone else make the tough call. Uh, John 19.8 Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. That's whenever uh, it was, they were saying that he made himself out to be the Son of God. And as again, you'll have a, a second trial with him. He, he's hearing something. He's getting very fearful in a sense. It's starting to get to him and hey, if we can let Herod go ahead and do this, then my name won't even be on this thing. I, I'm passing it to him. It, it'll be him. and you know, Very bright idea that he does. Let the Jewish ruler, because he's really slightly Jewish, kind of. <laughs> he's a tetrarch. Herod the tetrarch in the Galilee area. Jesus had once called him that fox, that sly fox. He'd cut off John the Baptist's head there, you know, and Jesus knew about that. He wanted to get Jesus, and then he thought that Jesus was really John the Baptist resurrected or reincarnated. So, this is really, I think, pretty bright for the governor here. Pilate says... Uh, and then it goes wrong, he can say, Herod did it. <laughs> and Pilate and Herod really weren't in good relations. So this would make it look pretty good that he's passing along somebody that comes from his area, and it looks like a matter of respect. Pilate, he's, he's bright, folks. He's hated, but he's very bright. You know, political and social forces swirling like a tornado all around Jesus. They swirl all around truth, don't they? Totally dismiss anything that's truthful. It's like all of truth is just tossed out the window. Here it is right here. This is bedlam. This is even worse than what's happening here. This is about Christ, the King of the universe. Despite His innocence, the trial 
proceeds, even though the trial says not guilty. Sin has a way of ignoring the claims of Jesus, of ignoring the very man who is truth. Sin ignores truth when it is expedient to ignore it. So it doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It doesn't matter what the law says. Remember, they are the ones who are the lawyers, who are the judges. They know the law better than anyone. Political expediency will make Jesus a sacrificial lamb. That's why this is able to go down. And so anything that stands for righteousness stands for ultimately Christ. This is why sinful, evil, wicked people do the things they do. They really hate Christ ultimately. You see, they don't want His judgment, so they judge Him. Our law was based upon God's law. So Herod's in town. Why is Herod in town? Well, it's Passover. Just like Pilate is there. He gets it passed to him. And a quarrel may be able to be patched up here at the jurisdiction. It's a win-win situation for <laughs> the governor here, Pilate. Political skill. Oh, it's not going to work. <laughs> Pilate thought, Herod is going to help me here. He's going to bail me out. What did he expect out of Herod? That's a long debated question. For the answer to that, you have to come back next week. <laughs> I do want to offer good news here in a time that is exposing sin. He said his kingdom is not of this world. Folks, we can get angry and mad and, and there is a sense where we are to be having a, a righteous anger. I admit, I, I really have that. And we all should, in a sense, of knowing, you know, this is against God and His law. Yeah, it's against our nation. It's, it's against our president and all the leaders who stand for righteousness and the police of all people who are there to protect us and serve us. And 99.9% .9 of the time, they really do a good job. There is no sense here get real mad about it. Sometimes I have to be checking myself. And we could get all irritated here and leave today and get all mad about it because they're doing the same thing as the Jews did. Yeah. Basically? Yeah, they are. Only they happen to be the elite are doing but but isn't aren't the elite mayors and stuff doing the same thing too and ignoring absolute truth? Constitution and such? What they are to protect we hold okay, listen. Always take it back to His kingdom is not of this world. We shouldn't be surprised at what is going on. 
this is like, uh, I was talking to Nandor earlier, and it's like movies you've seen, where rebellion and revolution happens, and it's like overnight it just changes. But you know what? All you have to do is look at history. Those stories are based upon true stories. This is the way it's been since the sin of mankind. People get together and they become unruly. And if it's not about God, it's all about self. And all of a sudden, all the rules don't come into play anymore. And they like to break the rules. And eventually, it gets out of hand. We need to see it on a higher level. Because God is controlling this. And I know none of you here are fearing. I really don't believe that you, we have fear here. I think in a lot of places you do have fear. People are going to be moving from their cities. People, uh, Police are quitting their jobs. I know if I was a policeman, I'd sure consider it. I would get out of town. there's still something much higher. They were all looking at, at on a worldly plane. What's our job? Preach the Word. Preach the truth. Teach the truth. Keep telling it to each other because through the week, when you hear this stuff constantly, all of a sudden you start getting real angry and it goes over the righteous anger and it goes into a personal anger. And now you've stepped into the same ball game that they play. We don't do that. We rely upon God as our shield, our defender. He is the ultimate, and you know what? He's carrying out His plan through all of this. What do we do? We pray that God's will be done here. And that we pray for righteousness, that it would rule and reign again the way that it's supposed to. That's our job. But we don't have to go out and demonstrate. You're probably going to have a lot of demonstrators coming out, probably with guns and ready to fire and unload their guns. It is a matter of defense, though. If they come into your home, what are you going to do? Are you going to defend yourself? Absolutely. We, at the same time, we know that we trust in God. Trust in God and keep your powder dry. I'm not telling people to go out and get ready to shoot people because they're all going to be taking your homes. There is one political leader that's saying, we want to go into your home. They want to go into people who own their homes and take them. So, what do we do? Pray and encourage each other, knowing who the king is. God knows full well what is going on. He knows much more than Pilate even did. Right? So remember the sovereignty and the protection of God. It is all good. Hard for me to say that, folks, when I see what I see. And you're going to continue to see it. It's even going to get worse. And now I've heard Atlanta is getting ready to explode. Mm -hmm. Zach was telling me earlier that what happened yesterday. Friday. Was it Friday? Friday. Uh uh. They really love their Wendy's down there. Uh oh. What happened? They burned it. Hey, uh, anyway. uh, a fellow was found asleep in the uh, drive through to Wendy's when the police attempted to perform a field sobriety. He took the officer's taser, 
ran, turned, fired the taser, and they returned fires, fire, and it wasn't the tasers. So, now Atlanta's on fire. Yeah. So, we really need to be praying for Atlanta, Chicago, New York, L.A., Seattle especially, Detroit especially, even Dallas. Just keep on going. Every city, and most of those mayors, and a lot of those governors, are liberal. That's why they're doing what they do. St. Louis, Kansas City. Jeff City has had its own little bit of violence. So far, it's been kept good. Keep praying for it. It can be anywhere. It could even go to the little towns. So, all we have to do is remember who we are, who Christ is, stay truthful to that, proclaim the good news, for that's what it's about. Thank you guys. And that's interesting how a passage like that turned into something that is very relevant. It's all relevant, especially that, because it's about the death of Christ for our sins. Even the ones who are doing evil things, He died for them who will, who some of them will put their trust in Christ. Right? We pray. Father, what a great God You are. We are full of hope. And we know that it's exciting times in a sense because You've been controlled all along. And what looks like horrible things, and it is, we know that you are exposing it, you're fighting it. The devil and his demons and the angels are having a war. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the authorities in the air. And Lord, we know who wins, we always know. But I do know that this nation, as sinful as it has been, deserves condemnation. It deserves your wrath. And Lord, I'm not calling upon the wrath. I'm calling that you protect the president and all the ones who stand for righteousness are vice president, so the, the senators, House of Representatives, all the way to the states, the governors, and the mayors. Lord, we pray that some sense of truth and righteousness would be appealed to them and they would come to truth of that. And that can only be done one way. Through the Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the answer to all of this. And so we say, See, so be it. The Lord reigns. Lord, you do your will. And we pray for edification for all the people in this church and the church worldwide that they would be praying and they would be standing for truth and not to cave. For we know that you are truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.